Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host, Ryan, this week. Joining me, as always, is Crofton, and I want to start this episode with a question, Crofton, a simple question. What type of power tools is it okay to use around small children? That's the question. Hmm. No, no, uh, and, and there are obviously a lot of caveats, like, does it have a blade? Is it a drill? Is it electric? How many kids are we talking about? Are there other adults present? That sort of thing, obviously, but... Well, Ryan, if I had a nickel for every time somebody asked me about power tools, I would have maybe 10 cents uh, mm. Canadian, which is less than 10 cents American. Uh, I am not much of an expert in this field. I would say that I do sometimes chase after my children with the shop back, alternating <laughs> between sucking and blowing, which sounds bad when taken out of context, but in this context makes perfect sense. Uh, and they scream in terror and also laugh. So if you consider a shop back a power tool, then I would say that one is okay. Chainsaw, not okay. No, so no. Th- those are the two extremes, I think. I think I think I'm above board then because, you know, we've been doing a lot of uh, so I'm on parental leave and we have we have three kids now and I'm doing a lot. We're doing I shouldn't say I Ashley has set up a lot of these uh, these projects we're working on. So we're, you know, rebuilding. uh, We're putting a like a a full floor for the play structure because uh, sand didn't seem like a good idea. And we're rebuilding a gate and rebuilding a shed door and all that. And obviously, I don't know what I'm doing. Ashley has uh, a much better idea of what she's doing. But there comes the the conundrum of like, how much work do you try to get done while you're you're sort of awake and you have the kids? You can kind of shoo them off to the play structure. And Isabel's asleep, so you're like constantly you're measuring and marking. And then it's okay. We'll do a bunch of cutting in the evening. Then we'll go back and it's like okay, we're gonna do drilling. It's just been. It's been a, a lovely sequence of, of juggling and and it always comes back to the conversation of like which tools, what, like queuing up what work we want to do yeah. in the evening when the kids are, are asleep, you know, that sort of thing. So two things. One, uh, in all seriousness, when it comes to tools, there's the ones that you have full control over and that you're able to manage, you know, safely. And there's the ones that you have less control over and those ones are often the ones that spit things out mm. and that we're supposed to we're supposed to wear safety glasses for it be it be it like um you know uh, drilling something uh hammering something you know like um i was hammering my steps the other day to get out the old sort of a mortar mix that was underneath and i'm just smacking smacking down and pieces are flying out left and right like if you're using a buzz saw it's just you know there's there's stuff shooting shooting out so you'd want to avoid all of those that that are that are creating chaos and potentially dangerous situations around um in favor of things that are very much more controlled and i recognize that that's probably a limited amount the other thing the less serious side is when you brought this up i immediately had an image of you and ashley uh using giant industrial jackhammers to try to dig out your pool that is, and be like we is... made a mistake we made such a mistake <laughs> i we love need to fill it with water you know it's funny i love how it always comes back to the pool but i was thinking the exact opposite feeling just as as we're doing all these projects in the backyard it's like man it's so nice that we can use our backyard uh and not have to worry about a giant death trap but um, speaking of death traps, let's look at the COVID check-in. Let's talk about where our country's at, where the world's at, where Crofton's at, where Ryan's at. Uh, where are the old lady on the streets at? I mean, have you, have you checked in our, on her, Crofton? That's the real question. 
I have an old lady that lives like sort of kitty corner on my uh, from my house, and she is like, she is like the, you know, in movies, there's that that neighborhood kind of Snoopy lady that knows everything <laughs> that's going on at any time. Yeah, she Miss is Snoopy. that lady. And if you're not doing bad stuff, then generally it's actually quite good to have these types of ladies around. Uh, she asked me the other day. She's like, I noticed there's a weird garbage truck that came to your house. And I, I said, uh, all right, um, I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure why. And then I was talking to my wife afterwards. She's like, yeah, I'm." she had signed us up to this diaper pickup. So they pick up garbage every two weeks. But you can sign up and get your diapers picked up every week. And so there's like this diaper mobile garbage truck that picks it up. And uh, and, and the old lady had seen the, you know, seen the, the diaper truck and be like, what the hell is going on? You know, it was like <laughs> something different. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, she seems fine, though. She's surviving COVID okay. quite well. Me, I am doing uh, very well um, in many ways. The fact is um, Ontario, the province that Ryan and I live in, um, it has gone to phase three, which means that a lot of stuff that was closed before is now open, including, wait for it, playgrounds, uh, which is a, a big thing for, for, for my kids and stuff. So it has been great. We've been going to wading pools as well. Um, and they have like painted lines and you got to sign up and, and, uh, and, and so that's been, that's been quite a thing, but it's worked well. So we're getting out there and we're in, we're enjoying things. And I know like some restaurants and, and stuff are open. I haven't gone to any of those yet, but we're kind of like, Getting a little bit of a normal rhythm. I don't think so hard about going to places. Like I wear my mask. I sanitize mm-hmm. my hands. But like I, I've been doing home projects. Mm-hmm. been going to Home Depot. I brought Gwen. We both wear our masks. It's it's almost weird how how we've just like fallen into this new reality. Mm-hmm. Um, how's it going with you? Well, it's, uh, you know, you're right. Like we have sort of fallen into this new reality where we, we have begun uh, phase three, I, I think where my current feelings are is that I think my immediate family, like, um, my household unit, uh, uh, is comfortable with where our feelings are with, with, uh, living with, uh, this global pandemic. I think where we struggle and it's probably due to the fact that we're running around chasing kids all day. And then by the time we have time to discuss everything going on, it just becomes this conversation of, you know, everybody has these folks in their family that are um, maybe not so worried about following all the rules. And it's, it's, it's these conversations that boil down to, we're exhausted, we're going to catch up on everything that's going on. And oh, by the way, did you hear blah, 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 this person who we have to interact with, uh, or else we're bad people um, are, are doing these things like going to social gatherings that maybe don't social distance that sort of thing and i know here in ontario we're doing really well peterborough hasn't specifically hasn't had a new case in 30 days so it's it's making people a little more relaxed and i think that's where i have to continuously remind ourselves is like okay as long as we're comfortable and as long as we are we feel we are doing what we need to do to feel safe then that should be close to enough without having to worry about everyone else it's like as I said to Ashley, it's, it's like, it's like driving, you know, I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about every other driver out there. I can control my vehicle. I can control the way I drive, but I can't control everybody else. And I think what's really come down to it to make me feel much better about what's going on is just like you said, wearing a mask, 
Um, and it's at the point where it's like, it's just second nature. It's like, oh, I'm going out. We've been like doing a lot of home at work projects. So going to Home Depot, you know, putting on the mask, going in. And you see like, it is kind of odd to see these folks that are working at Home Depot and, and, and visiting Home Depot and they don't have a mask on. Um, and I think what I really love, I don't know if it's the same in your area, but I feel like is kind of inherently Canadian. When you walk in with a mask and you see someone else without a mask, you're fine with them. They're fine with you. You just you just keep your physical distance and you're all good, right? So I've really appreciated that. I haven't been, I haven't felt the need to like tear someone down because they're not wearing a mask and no one's felt the need to like come at me because I'm, I'm wearing one. Right. So that's felt really good. And I, I think the news and, and how the news has been portraying like these shaming videos, it's been really, it's, it's been taxing, I guess, you know, it is so funny. Like I, I, that whole argument about like masks and the, t- uh, Oh my God. It just, I can't even understand one side of it. It's just like one side is just so stupid. And, and the thing, the thing is, is that I don't have to worry about it because in Ottawa, the, the bylaw is, or the, the law is you cannot go inside these stores unless you're wearing a mask. So everybody is wearing a mask or isn't like any sort of, except if you're outside, if you're outside in the parking lot, people are taking them out getting in their cars but uh they are they are definitely um you know it's just it's just one of these sort of situations where where i i have taken it for granted that we have masks we don't have to worry about it i keep some in my glove compartment or whatever mm-hmm. and everybody else has got them so it's it's pretty uh it's pretty chill also i do think it's pretty funny uh, how we are not i need to stress for our listeners we are not sponsored by home depot i know that <laughs> bo- both of us have mentioned home depot maybe three times on one episode in which we have never mentioned it once previously on this show uh but uh but yeah it just so happens that ryan and i are both doing home projects Here, here's how you know we're not paid by big home depot I'm about yeah. to mention home hardware, and that is against, I'm pretty sure, every contract for working with Big Home Depot. So home hardware, shout out to home hardware, uh, if they're still around. Rona too, I guess. Although, yeah. And Lowe's. Lowe's is a good one. Sometimes you can find certain things at the Walmart. Uh, probably not as much, but, you know, you never know. Um, you never know. So I'm, you know, yeah, we don't work for Big Home Depot, but I think what we're all excited to hear about is uh, you, you're planning a vacation and it's kind of, I think I coined it in the pre-show as a close-cation because it's not, it's not your house, but it's not Prince Edward County. So where are you going? What's, what's going on? Or are you talking about where you're going? Oh, I'm going, yeah, my, my, um. One thing that's great about the city that I live in, which is a city, a, a metropolitan area of about a million people, is that that you can drive in 20 minutes in pretty much any direction and get out of town. And when you're out of town, um, you're often in very scenic locales, valleys, lakes, all sorts of stuff. I grew up nearby in a village um, that uh, is become increasingly touristy. Uh, they used to run logs down the river when I was a kid, and there were tugboats <laughs> and the whole thing. Um, and uh, now that's that's stopped, and it's just kind of cottage country, and my mom lives up that way. And uh, anyway, we were renting a cottage up that way as well. Um, it takes us about 40 minutes to get from my house to my mom's house. And that just means, like, you know, with kids, you're planning your day and all of that. Um, now it'll be much easier like we'll 
during that week. We'll be able to get to my mom's place. We'll also be able to go to a lot of beaches and places that I grew up going to that are in the area. And those places um, are we're just a, are a little too far from from the city to deal with a two year old, you know, uh, a two year old that has to have a nap and that has to, you know, it's it's a little challenging. So so we're going to be uh, doing a week there. I always laugh because the the village we're staying in is called Rupert, which is like. Um, it, it is like next door to Wakefield where I grew up. And it's kind of like when people are like, you're going to Rupert on vacation, you know, <laughs> it would be like you saying, I don't know, you're going to one of those made up places that you always mention, you know? Um, so well, I, we don't have listener feedback about Rupert, not yet, but yeah, no, that's right. So anyway, I am really excited. Vaca- so I got a work week and then I'm off for three weeks and only one of those weeks am I away. Another week I'm planning to do a lot of projects and then another uh, another week, I'm really um, hoping to to recharge uh, with the family. And I will say that I recognize I'm super lucky to have the three-week sort of vacation. And even though we're all working from home and you're like, well, you're home all the time, it's really different when you don't have to, you know, sort of worry about work, think about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that we've meant to, 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 to get done. The house is being painted while we're away and stuff. So it's going to be it's going to be nice to see that when we get back. So, yeah, uh, just uh, I'm looking looking forward to that. I know every day is a vacation for you right now, Ryan. No. But uh, for me, no, <laughs> not for me, not at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> it, it's it's it, look. I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it here, but I, I think uh, I think. Well, I don't know why I started with that because I'm not also going to like shit all over it. But it's it's it is incredibly nice to be home and focusing solely on family uh, and. And being able to do these these projects around the house, because I mean, I don't think I would have been able to build a play structure, uh, put together pools, sod the lawn or sod the backyard if I was also having to mentally juggle uh, work and a newborn at the same time. I think uh, even now, like, you know, post 7 p.m. once the kids go down, that is like almost you know hollow hollow ground right like it's it's that three hour mark where i'm not asleep but have time to play video games and i i'm i really cherish those those moments and that's why i brought up the sawing because the sawing is cutting into my into my me time but i'm i'm super happy to to not be using power tools around the kids that's that's a that's a callback uh but speaking of video games and 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 going into the dungeons and just you know having some good old times uh you know i i was gonna ask you this crofton i don't know if you've been paying attention to the fact that next gen consoles are still happening this year in the old holiday 2020 uh you know schedule and i know you have a ps4 i have i have um every electronic for some reason and uh, my wife constantly reminds me why do we need all these big black boxes in the living room uh are you excited about these next gen consoles? Are you like, where are you at? Cause I, I know for me, it's, it, I, it's hard to explain my feeling. This might be the first year where I opt out on, on both these, these boxes that are coming out in, in December ish. What, where are you at well, with these? Well, before I answer flesh that out a little more, why, why will you opt out on them? Well, here's, so I, 
I we don't first of all we don't know the price and price is always an important thing for me because if if the box is going to be they're they're pegging around six to seven hundred dollars before taxes that's a huge investment for what will probably be one game on each platform uh, in terms of playing it at, at its uh, at its highest level so for me it comes down to the price and then also the games and I haven't seen the games yet the the ones that are going to get me to buy although that new Spider Man Miles Morales game like that is that is something that seriously piqued my interest, but I have a hard time buying what is supposed to be a um, uh, more bite-sized experience, not a fully fledged out game. Like it is a standalone adventure, but it's, it's more of, of sort of the scoping of lost legacy, which was a fantastic game, but you know, one game does not make an $800 purchase sort of sound. Right. And to be, and to be clear on that one, like to me, I know it hasn't been announced for the PlayStation 4 yet, mm-hmm. but but to me that that game is a surefire for the PlayStation 4 is Last of Us 2 is a surefire for the PlayStation 5. You know, like they're they're going to um you know remake or re reissue remastered versions of these big end of generation games goes to Tsushima, whatever yeah. on the PlayStation five, but they're also going to like, when I, when I saw that teaser for, for the Spider-Man game, I was like, well, that's for sure coming to PS4, the original games on PS4. Yeah. So I, th- I think they even recently talked about, you know, the enhanced way to play Spider-Man miles Morales, Morales hashtag Spider-Man PS4 was, was kind of a you're right they haven't absolutely confirmed it's coming to ps4 but it's a strong chance like a lot of the other stuff that i'm excited about for the ps5 with you know the new ratchet and clank game and then everything from probably what is going to be a new god of war the continuation of final fantasy 7 remake like all these games are eventually coming but we're talking launch here like i've always purchased uh you know a next gen one next gen console at launch and I think it really has been about the leap. And I think this time around, uh, there is a leap there, but the leaps they're making um, aren't aren't enough at launch for me, right? Like I know down the road, I'm going to buy a PS5 because of, you know, Horizon, God of War 2, Spider-Man 2, whatever it ends up being. Um, but it is just odd for me to, to watch these announcements for these consoles and know kind of deep down, like, I, I'd, I'm probably not going to get one of these at launch. And as a video game, you know, fanatic, it kind of feels weird, you know. Um, but I, I was looking at the Halo stuff they showed off today. And, and even that, like, I can play it on my Xbox One X or my PC. And I mean, it won't be, you know, as great as Xbox Series X. But why would I? I don't feel necessarily obligated to go buy a an $800 box just to play a game I can already play on, on two other console or two other platforms I own. Right. It, for me, and I, I echo a lot of what you just said, and, and I am not at this point planning on getting either, either of those consoles uh, at launch. Um, the main reason is that I'm, I'm games driven for the most part. Like I'm not console driven. Uh, and I, I would want to see a game that, that I want to play. I, there's a lot that, that I do, but this year has always, to me, been about a few, being about a few games that were being promoted beforehand, and, and the one that I am hugely interested in, which I'm sure is no surprise to anyone, every a lot of people are hugely interested in it, is the cyberpunk uh, game, and um, 
for me, that is a game that I will likely play on PC. And so the question that I'm having in my mind is, do I upgrade my graphics card mm. uh, or something to that effect? And if I do, does that mean, you know, with stuff like Xbox Game Pass, if I'm if I'm upgrading my graphics card, I'm pretty much saying I'm not buying an Xbox because why would I buy an Xbox and have a supercomputer when at Microsoft is so great about supporting all this stuff? Although I do love the fact that they're making it that you can put any Xbox game into the system and play any Xbox um, game from any generation. That's amazing. Uh, I think it's really cool. The um, the PlayStation. So as a as a as a singular piece of hardware, that appeals to me. Mm-hmm. PlayStation appeals to me in exactly the reasons that you explained. It's the sequels to these big games, uh, games that I'm I'm keen on keen on playing. Like I will be, I'm sure. Uh, keen on playing the the new horizon and and when there's a new god of war and all of that at launch i expect that it'll be uh to get a shinier version of cyberpunk or something like that uh and um i don't think that's going to be enough uh, you know enough to sway me and as i said i'm a huge spider-man fan but i expect that the miles morales game is going to be made available on ps4 if it's really not like that will that will be something that i'll have to think about because i do know that at one point i'll, I'll likely buy a mm-hmm. ps5 but we're in almost we're, we're entering this sort of post console world it's starting you know a lot of them are offering digital only versions and stuff like that and we're getting more and more away from physical it, everything is becoming like more streaming based and um yeah it takes a lot to make me interested in purchasing hardware and finally nintendo has not announced much for the rest of this year and i don't want to say that i expect a big announcement but i almost feel like the next zelda breath of the wild game may surprise drop in the tail end of the year or be announced and if that's the case and cyberpunk comes out and all of that i'm not really going to be attracted uh to i'm going to be attracted to those games over the 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 exclusives uh and i even put halo in that camp i haven't played a halo game since halo 3 you know Mm. so um i'm not uh you know it's not gonna not gonna do it for me but that said all all of what they're showing and the direction they're going particularly microsoft i'm a big fan of it yeah oh and i mean i should state this like i didn't bring up this conversation to to kind of poo poo the next generation i i think it's all great i think the xbox series x i love what microsoft's doing i love what playstation doing i I love what nintendo's doing and i think they're i saw an article today kind of analyzing what each company's doing and they're all kind of heading in the you know they're heading towards the same direction which is they want your money but they're all heading they're all doing it in different ways that kind of make it more more um more likely that you might actually own all consoles for very different reasons and i think PlayStation's very much approaching it the way Nintendo is. It's, you know, exclusive games, first party, strong content. Essentially, when you look at what Microsoft's doing, they're saying, here's a here's a high powered console that you can put next to your TV that can play all of our games. But also, if you have a PC, you can just play them there as well. If you own an Xbox One X or an Xbox One, you can play some of them there as uh, too. And I think the value of what Microsoft's doing is it's not punishing gamers for enjoying multiple platforms because at the end of the day if you subscribe to game pass or you you just buy their games outright you are supporting microsoft as a company they get your dollars they're happy if in and probably even happier if you don't buy the the, the console because they'll probably sell it at a loss at least to start right so it's um 
I, I think they're all doing really interesting things. I'm I'm like you though. I'm I'm very curious about what Nintendo's doing because that was the one really big bummer after watching the Xbox event today was I really miss Nintendo's presentation. Like we haven't had it and it's really you're really starting to feel it because we would have had it a month and a half ago and it's just such a bummer. So uh like do you have any additional thoughts on these next gen consoles oh just i was gonna say that i i think that like you and i are both in the same camp whereas that we're we're not gonna be day one purchasers at this point but i think that the big companies are thinking about that as well that the supply is going to reflect that i don't think they're expecting to set record numbers like they have in the past um 2020 obviously being a messed up year mm-hmm. i think that i think there's going to be a lot more people like us uh but what they're trying desperately to do is keep people in their ecosystems as they do from every console to another so what i'm loving is all these uh you know cross buy um you buy the game in one one generation you get it in the other or you get it a free upgrade or you get something like that and everybody seems to be jumping on this and this has been like something that that has always annoyed me through transitions from console to another you know uh where you would you would buy like be it a sports game or like i remember my brother got like Dragon Age Inquisition on PS3, which is like a disaster version <laughs> of that ga- of that game, and then and then he got a PS4 shortly thereafter, and it would be so great for him to have just been able to like, okay, upgrade it to the PS4 version. But no, he'd have to go out and spend another full price game, and so I, I just love seeing this consumer friendly stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it also means to me that, you know, I can take my time a little bit and, and, and see what, what works and when I'm willing to spend the money and all of that. Yeah. So. I'm more than happy to bridge the gap with, uh, with my Xbox one X and, you know, whatever they'll, you know, throw us for the PS4. I mean, Sony's made a pretty brash statement in saying we believe in generations. We believe in, you know, uh, leaps of hardware. So we'll we'll see about Spider-Man, whether that Miles Morales game comes to the PS4. I'm I'm really hoping because, uh, like you said, that that could be something that pushes me to buy it early or at least buy it earlier than I w- would have. But I'm more than happy to play Halo Infinite on my PC and my Xbox One X and wait out possibly looking at an xbox series i'm not a pc guy like i have a pc but um like i would probably rather get the get the console uh down the road nowhere near now in the future but i'm I'm probably if i had to choose between spending a bunch of money on building a pc and buying a new xbox i'd probably buy the xbox just to kind of you know um have that console experience Uh, i already spend enough time at a computer uh but speaking of video games I'm wondering, Crofton, you finished Final Fantasy VII Remake both 20 years ago and last week. How did that go as someone who played the original? Yeah, I uh, I did, um, and I'm a bit late to the party, and honestly, in terms of finishing the game, I mean, and honestly, I it was, it was a slog at the end, and I would <laughs> not have finished the game had it not been for... Uh, sort of the possibility of, uh, of like, I knew you were done. I know, I know Bo was done, my friend Bo, and I thought I could have, like, conversations. I felt like I was missing out on a big a big conversation piece by not completing the game. And um, and I was in the Shinra building, which is, uh, the, the you know, the last major area in that game. 
and I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm just there. I've just got to get to the end. And um, it was quite a slog until the very, like, until the, the, the last boss, series of bosses, because there's a series of them kind of at the end, in which, you know, everything kind of picks up and, it, and, and there's more story beats and all of this. Um, and so now I've, now I've finished it. And, uh, like, it is, it is a tricky one to talk about without, you know, revealing, revealing anything. But I have to say that the end, while extremely convoluted uh, and not at all what I expected from a remake of Final Fantasy VII, redeemed a lot of the game for me. Uh, and um, I was, I was... I don't want to say trending downwards on it, but you guys have heard my comments on this show before where I would be talking about it in kind of like, um, I felt that it was a game essentially for teenagers, for, for teenagers now, very angsty, very like, you know, teen, teeny, and, but also for people who were teenagers when the original game came out, like I was. And um, uh, lots of grunting and, oh, and anime work. And, and um, I, I just... I just thought, and then a lot of grinding, like a lot of filler, a lot. And I know JRPGs have always been like this, like walking through giant dungeons, random encounter, random encounter, get rewarded by CG cutscene or get rewarded by regular cutscene. And I had forgotten that a bit, I guess. And, uh, you know, the remake of Final Fantasy VII is like that as well. But the environment became very samey for me and all this. So I was just kind of wearing down trying to get out of Midgar, uh, which is where the all the Final Fantasy VII remake takes place in this city. Um, but I have to say, like, uh, that that I was pleasantly surprised by some of the chances they took in the ending. Like, if you finish Final Fantasy VII, the original before, then, like, while this, th there's not a ton of surprises through most of this game. Mm -hmm. uh, they, you know, they don't deviate from the script very heavily. They fill in uh, a little bit. But uh, the end, it, they take some. They take some chances. It, it'll be interesting. Interesting to see if they pay off in the future. And I know just this week they've started talking about how the the, the sequel to the remake is in development. Um, but yeah, I, mm. I I think that uh, you and I. I know you and I intend to speak more spoilery about it. And I have a lot lot more thoughts about the game. I would say that if I was scoring it as a reviewer, I'd probably give it a seven point five. Um, but it's not and it, it wouldn't be like a 7.5 throughout there are points that that are gr uh, during the game that are are greatness there are things there are mechanics and systems that are fantastic and then there are things that suck royally <laughs> so it's it's kind of like it, it kind of balances out to that 7.5 which is very interesting so i would say that you know some people will be like i'd never play a game that's under an eight well, this might be one that you might want to, you know, like, because it, it really like there are parts of it that like when we're talking about game of the year or whatever, I'm not going to say this would be that my game of the year, but I could see it being in people's discussions. And I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with it, but I could I could see why they would think that. Yeah. And I know we've talked about the game before on the show in that I think for me, I'm just so amazed that they that they made the game first off and then they made it in this way different from the first one both in you know uh combat in traversal uh and, and and in story beats as well you know they didn't they really did build a final fantasy 7 remake based solely off what 
I've heard anecdotally to be the first 10% of of the of the original right with just Midgar I know when people said it's just you know oh it's just Midgar that's crazy so the 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 sheer achievement that they've been able to do build a remake of a game that came out that's been beloved for decades and not have people calling for Square Enix's uh demise is just I applaud them because that is such a hard thing to, I mean, there's a reason Half-Life 3 doesn't exist is because you're living up to these expectations to the point where Valve had to go away for 10 days, build a whole new VR game and then be like, you know what, maybe it's, maybe we could just make Half-Life 3. You know, if Half-Life Alex didn't burn the world down, it didn't set the world on fire, but it certainly didn't, although the pandemic did start about a week after it came out. So anyways, um, it's just, before. It's, I thought it was before. Whatever. It was. It was short. No, I'm, I'm obviously making a, a, a joke here, but uh, obviously, I don't know why I have to caveat that. But we'll. Uh, our plans are to do a spoiler discussion in some form, and all I will say is, pay attention, fine listeners, uh, to the future. Look to the future, and you may see here, or even with a tweet of said Final Fantasy VII remake spoiler thoughts. Uh, let's transition a little bit here from video games to tv as we often do crofton you've been watching community and i'm jealous is this your first watch through or is this a is is this a a repeat viewing Uh, well i mentioned it on a previous show that i i was starting into community and i I forgot I (laughs) i was doing a lot of laundry folding and community watching and um I, we own the first three seasons, I think, on DVD because that's how old it is, or or like when it first, you know, first came out, and um, and then I definitely remember watching season four, uh, aka the gas leak season, on TV as it aired, and I think season five as well. Like week to week, we were watching those shows, uh, and then uh, and then season six, which was the one that came to Yahoo screens after show almost gets canceled a zillion times or or avoids death a zillion times and um i had never seen season six i think a lot of community fans had not seen season six and i've watched the first three seasons a zillion times um like like just putting it on here and there uh and then even um in in the age of netflix like that's where i started I, i started i think it's season instead of just going from the top i started in season three watching a couple of my faves and then i went back and i i ended up watching pretty much all of it although i skipped most of season four um the uh the the only thing i want to mention about community which is uh I, I think an awesome show in general, but it is clearly a show that is defined by its behind the scenes stuff and how, how it was developed and, and things that were going on. Um, the first three seasons of that show are really strong and uh, really great to watch. And if you haven't watched them, I, I strongly recommend it. You can pretty much pull the plug at those three seasons if you so choose you have a nice experience even the the the, the finale of season three is somewhat of a you know could be a could be a series finale in 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 many ways uh the season six and five and six what what i guess i thought interesting ryan was that they're like they're and I've been watching a lot of happy shows lately. I think I mentioned that on the shows. I was I was a fan of this guy Michael Schur, who makes The Good Place and Brooklyn Nine Nine and and Parks and Rec. And these are like happy shows. And uh, 
community has elements of that in its high earlier seasons, but it also is undercut with this sort of weird melancholy and sadness, especially in season five and especially in season six, which they kind of knew was their last one. So season six still has some really, really great moments and some really great episodes. I was actually like, I, I enjoyed it more than season five, I I think. Um, it's probably the best season other than the original three, but it's weirdly it's weirdly sad at the same time, funny and sad. And for a community fan, I would a hundred percent recommend watching it. If you have not watched season six, it is totally worth your time. Uh, but I, I will say that if you're just looking for a lighter a lighter feeling, it has deeper, darker themes a little bit, uh, a deeper, darker undercurrent that that may not sit as well with you if you're just looking for a good time. So uh, yeah, anyway, community still still great. I'm really glad I wa I watched it all. But like now, when I do a rewatch. I likely will not necessarily rewatch season four, five, or six. Maybe I'll pick a couple of episodes out of season six again, watch those those uh, again. But for the most part, I'm not going to watch it through again like I did this this time. And season two and three, and and to a lesser extent, the first season are the best ones of that show. I think Community suffered from a from something that a lot of shows suffered in that time frame where you had a really popular show and then they ran it in i don't want to say ran it in the ground but they really they tried to just keep it going and i think when you look at shows uh there was a recent article about lost and how lot they pitched lost as a three season show and it ended up being six and they just had to keep coming up with shit in order to make it work and then you look at community and you talk about those first three seasons and even the concept works as a three season show because they're at they're at college they're at community college through your you know program that sort of thing it kind of just works and then you look at the trajectory of the show as you have people you know leaving you have um you know chevy chase leaving for a bunch of reasons then you have donald glover leaving because he's he's starting atlanta he's kicking off his rap career all that fun stuff and a lot of other supporting characters leaving as well i think john oliver was on maybe just the first first two seasons but John Oliver, John Oliver was actually a uh, full-time, pretty much a full-time cast member in season five of all oh, really? seasons. So he was in season, he was cameoing and in season one and, and two and every, every now and again, then he disappeared and he comes back as a regular cast member in season five. And honestly, there's an episode, like if I recommended one episode in season five, it's one that is very much focused on his, his character. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's good. He was my they, you're right. You're right. They they did they did lose um they did lose characters, but most importantly, and in, in for those who aren't aware, season four they lost the show creator and head writer who is who was fired, and then was brought back in season five. So season four is this oddity where it's like written in, and it was an important one, as you say, Ryan, because it's what would set the stage for what you know, like if it's a three year community college thing what happens in season four and and um and so they 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 fumbled the ball on that and then the the first episode of season five is called repilot uh, as a as you know essentially rebranding or relaunching the, the show um and so uh so that's why i say you can very much easily just watch the first three seasons and and be satisfied uh but there's still some good stuff down 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 the road as well and i'm sure that uh, a lot of folks would like to watch it all it's mm -hmm. just 
interesting to me that undercurrent of sadness, which is not something you necessarily see in many comedies, I guess. Well, speaking of uh, undertones of sadness, I've got a that's a transition to a show I've been watching. Uh, Ashley and I have been watching, which is Upload. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's not a new it's it's a new ish show. I think it's been out for a couple months on Amazon Prime Video, and it's from the creator of Office, so it's got Greg Daniels as the showrunner, and it's a it's a short watch. It's ten episodes, um, thirty minute uh, episodes. Very easy. It is a comedy front and center, but there is this darker you know undertone to it in the sense that Upload is all about this digital afterlife where when you die, if you pay a subscription service and you're able to pay for this like digital afterlife, they upload your consciousness to this to this digital afterlife and it's all about this this dude who gets uh you know zapped into into the world and um you experience his life as he's in the in the as an upload and he's got you know he's got a a girlfriend slash you know future wife who's still alive and they're able to interact in you know so he's an upload and he's able to call her the technology allows her him to call her and have video chats and stuff so it's like he attends his own funeral and the whole show is kind of showcasing this this new world uh that that they're portraying and uploading and it's it is very much it's funny it's got those moments of of hilarity and uh but then it's also got these moments where it's like oh yeah this guy is dead but then there's like a VR, you know, uh, sex suit scene that happens right after that. And it's like, oh, you forget he's dead. But then they remind you that he's dead and that all of his family members are kind of just wallowing around because he's dead and and all this fun stuff. So it's it's a really interesting show and I would recommend it. Like I said, it's a quick watch. It's not very long. Ashley and I were able to get through it in just a week or so as, you know, we have limited TV time. But uh, we really enjoyed it. And again, like, we pay for Amazon Prime, and I keep thinking to myself, like, man, we really should give some of these series a shot, right? Um, well, that's a good that's a good point. We're looking for something. My wife and I are looking for something as well. And like, I had honestly not heard of that show. I just took a quick look while you were talking, and I was like, oh man, this this seems like it would fit the bill for us as well. Like, I obviously like like the you know the Good Place had this has that science fiction kind of conceit as well or like this mystical in its in, in its sense in many ways but like this appeals to me in the same sort of manner i might check that one out i think you would like it uh like i said it's it's comedic there's some you know uh there's aspects of you know relationship building where um I, like i was actually really i was interested in the fact that he's like he's this upload and he's like he's learning these uh you know how to get along with other uploads he's dealing with the fact that he's he's dead uh and he's having to understand like because he still feels so that there is some like i said there's some weirdness some darker undertones like kind of like a comedic black mirror type thing where this this guy as he's been uploaded he knows he's an upload he's being told he's an upload so therefore he knows he's dead he knows he won't be able to you know physically be around his loved ones again although the technology allows him to do many many things that that are uh you know considered impossible today but this is the show is portraying a a near future so there's very much this feeling of the show is targeting like maybe 20 uh 2040 or something like that like they're not portraying you know flying cars and stuff but there are like drones flying around delivering packages right um and it's just it's it's a good balance of lightheartedness and you know uh good feelings but also so that dark humor that comes with the territory of you know the main character 
is <laughs> is dead, right? But it it works because everybody understands what's going on. Like it's it's not a surprise that this person is um this person is dead but still able to call his loved ones, right? Like it's it's depressing to us because, you know, obviously we <laughs> you know, don't have that ability, but in the show it's very much this normal thing if you pay for this digital afterlife. So uh, I think you'd dig it. I think you would. And um, I started Tales from the Loop as well, which is another Amazon show. Uh, Ashley and I were looking for our next show. And I said, well, this one might be interesting. And it is, I'm only like, we haven't even got through the first episode, but I'll say this. It is a very slow burn to start, but the first episode does get going. So if you do start to watch it, uh, either Crofton or listeners, uh, you're going to want to give it one episode, which is I, what I say is a good rule of thumb when you're watching TV shows, like one or two episodes to understand whether you're going to enjoy it or not. And Tales from the Loop is like, it's just so weird and techy and sci-fi that you want to keep watching, but then they really do start to unravel the mysteries very early on. So you start to understand like kind of like there's some really weird shit that you're questioning and then they start to kind of talk a little bit more about it. So um I'll probably have more Jeez. thoughts on that later on. That's another one I have not heard of at all. And I just like Google imaged it while you were talking. Mm. And I was like, it looks like a video game. The image that they're showing, there's like a giant robot yeah. and a girl with a suit. It looks like Death Stranding or something. Well, the, the very cool. Yeah, exactly. The very cool thing about Tales from the Loop is it's actually based on uh, concept art. Some very popular concept art that I hadn't seen before this, this series was announced. And it's this series of concept art of like these robots and, you know, um, you know, people working and, and these, uh, you know, average looking homes, but, but, you know, fantastic, you know, robotic creations. And they very much capture that concept art in the show very early on. And you, you, you feel that concept art. So it's, it's a very odd thing. It's the first time I've ever heard of, of a this is this just goes to show how starved these streaming content providers are for for new ideas, which is great, I think, because this is a huge leap for Amazon to be like, we're going to option the rights to your concept art to create a story. And I mean, a lot of stories start, you know, with concept art, like all video games do, movies do uh, to a certain extent. So it's not out of the realm that this would happen. But it is really cool that very much this is based on the one dude's specific series of art and it is so wild it's like i guess i'd compare it to maybe the first season of westworld in terms of it's like you know technological sci-fi mystery type thing they're trying to tell less less murderous robots i'll say uh, although i don't know i'm only an episode in <laughs> but uh it's it's got that weird mystery very lost vibe of like what are they doing in the loop you know, they work Would, at the loop. What's going on? I don't know. Wouldn't it be funny if it was all about murderous robots? And it would be. You just like that first episode <laughs> was just like this pretty stage tame. setting. And then you start like you get into it and you're like, wait a minute. This is a show about murderous robots. And if I like, come you, back next week yeah. or next episode and say, yeah, it turns out murderous robots. There's one robot in, in the first episode. And I will say it wouldn't surprise me if it turns into murderous robots because someone was throwing rocks at the robot for fun. So maybe there's a robot uprising that comes in the next couple episodes and, uh, listeners feel free to just, you know, I I wouldn't even consider it spoilery, but you can tweet at me and just be like, nah, it's about murderous robots. And that's fine because I'm still in it for the mystery because there's a lot they're, they're layering in there. But, but, uh, I still invite, 
that specific tweet. Uh, cool. Well, you know, Crofton, definitely add those to your watch list. I think you'd dig both of them. Upload is a, is a much more comedic approach. So if you're looking to come, come, uh, come off of community and looking for something similar, I think that would be a, uh, a good, a good hit. And it's got some, it's got some very strong office vibes because it's the same, same, uh, same showrunner. Same. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's cool. I'd be up for that. Um, I have been actually playing another game, and this is like sort of a seg into the diaper section, and it is actually a new release. Um, so, you know, Animal Crossing has been my babysitter saving grace slash whatever for many months into this pandemic now. And honestly, if you haven't gotten your kid, if you have a Switch and you haven't gotten your kid pan- Animal Crossing, oh man, you know, it's the gift that just keeps on giving in terms of... Um, entertaining them and even teaching and stuff it's really really great but that said when i am not working i do not want to play animal crossing anymore i am done <laughs> with animal crossing okay? yes aren't we all it it's i'm just i'm totally done but my and my daughter to a certain extent she not that she's done but she knows she can do it by herself and so she's not overly keen in you know doing doing stuff with me um if there's an alternative like there's like pretend play, which he loves to do all the time. So anyway, all of this to say, I was looking for a new game and I, I know I mentioned on the show how with divinity, I'd be doing my divinity stories for, for Gwen. And she'd be like, what happened? What happened? She was so into the adventure element. I was like, man, we need an adventure game, uh, mm-hmm. like to go on a quest and all of this. And sure enough, Nintendo obliged with the uh, latest paper Mario game, uh, paper, Mario the Origami King, and it just uh, it just came out um, last week, and uh, you know we were out running errands, and I was like, hey, let's stop at EB Games and see if we can just you know if there's a copy available, and sure enough, there was, and uh, and pretty much every free moment that we've gotten so far, we have been playing this game. Uh, I, it makes me think of you, Ryan, because you, I know you're such a Nintendo aholic. Yep. Um, so uh so uh and and uh, i uh, have been out of the paper mario loop like i've never really played a paper mario game before so um i you know for me it's hitting all the buttons for a game that you would play with your kid i have no idea how gwen could possibly play this game without me first off there's a tremendous amount of reading and no voice acting mm-hmm. um secondly there's some massive difficulty spikes and things that are like well it's a very easy and lighthearted game you know it, everything from the combat system to you know some of the puzzles i'm just like she can never do this like this is like a 10 10 year old plus you know like uh yeah it's uh, uh i'm i'm playing it with with caden and 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 abby as well and i i think they're they love mario they they love the idea of of the mushroom kingdom and all the characters that that inhabit said kingdom. So I, I said to them like, oh, let's play Paper Mario together. We'll get Paper Mario, and it has been a really good experience in the sense that it it is they do recognize that there are these sections that they can't do. And I think if the battle system was literally the old school Paper Mario, uh, you know, attempt where it's just RPG combat. Caden and and both Abigail could probably do a whole battle on their own, but it is nice to have those puzzle moments of of switching the rings because it's sometimes even complex for me. Like the battle system is this this ring system where you've got four rings and then the enemies are sort of 
spaced around and they at least early on you either line them up four in a row or uh two by two to hit to hit them with your your uh, your jump attack or your, or your hammer attack so what i'll do is i'll usually do most of the navigating around and and you know the puzzles in the in the outer world but then when we get into battle i'll line them up hand the controller to caden hand the controller to abby and then they it's just basically like here's the sequence of the a buttons you're going to push and they and then they they do a pretty good job of of tackling you know the battles and and they love it too because they get the the coin fanfare and it's very forgiving and that if if you don't hit them perfectly you still get a chance to to take them out on on the next turn but it's been it's been a lot of fun although i don't get as much time to play it as i normally would a nintendo game you know fresh off release how far are you uh, we are, so I just, it's, uh, I'm still in the first world and I think we're at the point where we tra- traversed all the way to the top. So we watched the live stream that Nintendo did and Caden's like all about fighting the markers, which is the first boss. And he's like, well, tomorrow are we going to get to fight the markers? We got to follow the red streamer. And I said, well, buddy, we're, we're going to get there when we get there, but I'm pretty sure tomorrow we'll get there. And, and we follow the red streamer. We go all the way up and it's like, nah, you got to use those weird Koopa stones you've been finding and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're I about know. to go open the door with those with those Koopa stones. And I and and then that's where we're at, basically. So and then you'll do a giant dungeon and then you'll have a boss and then you'll be. Yeah, no, I get you. And then you're going to lower the thing and then you'll have another dungeon and then you'll finally fight those crayons. Oh, you're really? still a ways. You're still a ways off from those crayons here. I will. I will say that I am in the next world uh, mm-hmm. and uh we are pretty far into the next world, but man, the worlds are large. Like, like because if you look at your world map, it includes all the prologue stuff, all these areas you probably haven't thought about or gone back to or whatever. And, um, and yeah, uh, it, there's also very dense. You know, there's these toads that are hidden everywhere. And the way that it works for th- those who haven't played the game is that the toads are like folded up into different shapes, often like bird birds, origami birds or like different things. And, and then you hit them and then you free them. And so there, there's lots of collectibles. Kids love collectibles. Gwen loves finding the toads and each toad, when you free them, does a joke, like normally a lame sort of dad joke style, but she loves the toad jokes. Right. <laughs> and so, so, so she loves the open world exploration stuff. She doesn't like the fighting. And the thing about the fighting, and to Ryan's point, is like it, it, it's a puzzle, which I really enjoy, like lining up these guys. And, and, and I actually quite like the combat system, but it, it, it's a puzzle under pressure. There's a timer. And Gwen, I think, would like the game if she could, if you could turn off the timer and allow her to take her time to line up the things. And there are things you can do to add time and stuff. But, but it's really it's really not conducive for young children because 20 second 30 second timer that's nothing for them as they're trying to figure this figure stuff this stuff out and i went into the settings and i looked in and like it's very clear you cannot turn off the timer like you could do some things where it will draw from your coins and give you extra time but it's it's like it it's a you know, it, it is a weirdly balanced game. It feels very much like it's made for an adult to be playing with a child. Like the, that it's, and so that that's a lot of our listeners. And I would say that, you know, if you have a six-year-old, a five, six-year-old you're playing with, you can pass the controller. Ryan has different parts his kids play than my kids 
play other, other parts. But I can tell you, Ryan, that Gwen talks about the game all the time. She always wants to know what's going to happen next. She speculates. She's like, oh, I think, you know, like this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Oh, she gets, you know, scared at the scary bits that are Nintendo intends and and, um, and is cheers at the at the moments they want you to cheer. So um, it's been a really, it's been a, a lot of fun so far. I'm looking forward to like playing through it uh, some more, but I, I will say one thing I find so interesting about it. Um, having not played a game set in the mushroom kingdom, that's not like a mainline Mario game. Like I played Mario Kart, Mario party, you name it, whatever, but I haven't played like a, a game like this. That's kind of like, you're going to all these different places, but not in a 2D Mario fashion. Mm-hmm. I I find it so interesting how they're able to do this while also like saving themselves a ton of work on creative <laughs> because they don't have to think about the currency. Oh, it's going to be coins. Obviously, they, they you know how are you going to teleport or go between places? Oh, you're going to go down pipes, you know, like how – uh, what are the enemies going to be? Oh, they're going to be Goombas and they're going to be whatever. Uh, you know, like they, they could just draw from the Mario lore and, and it saves them a lot of a lot of trouble. And then they can invest that creative energy into different things. So the gimmick in this game, and it feels like all of these Paper Mario games have like a gimmick. The initial gimmick was that the world's in paper and everybody exists in like 2D, which is pretty funny in and of itself. But this this is like the 10th Paper Mario game, so they need gimmick upon gimmick. And the latest gimmick is that everybody is like the enemies are origami and they're folding up. The the origami king is folding up all, all the – like the regular Goombas are nice, but when they're folded up, they become origami Goombas and they're evil, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just think it's, it's clever um, with the combat system and with the graphical design and all of that. They've put their creative energy – in the game in different ways and i think it's pretty i think it's cool like uh, um uh, you know if i was an adult that did not have kids i'm not sure that i would play this game but if i if you did you would have a good time i'm pretty convinced mm. that you would have a good time yeah i think the nintendo nature of it and and they were saying i was reading today that um paper paper mario origami king has sold four times more than any of its predecessors so it's like it's doing really well and that could be attributed to the fact that we are in a pandemic and the nintendo switch is vastly more popular than the last few consoles that Nintendo's yeah, put switch. Out. um it's it's one of those things where i'm i'm content to play it with the kids and go through it and 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 whatnot but i am also itching to play it you know on my own to kind of continue because i do find it fun i find the combat fun i was a little worried you know the move away from the traditional rpg you know combat would be would be frustrating but it is still there there's just a little puzzle to do with uh you know moving the rings around and lining up the enemies in a way and if you line them up you know in the specific fashion you get bonus you know attack power and uh and and that's it's just been really good to find that flow with the kids because i have been really struggling to find a game that we can we can all play uh and this one seems to be fitting that bill i mean animal crossing i don't you know caden's still not quite old enough to to really grasp playing on his own but i'm sure by next year he'll be all over animal crossing uh and whatever other game that nintendo decides to to throw at us but they love mario like they're you know they 
you know, Abby comes down in a, in a dress and you say, oh, you look like a princess. And she says, and Kane's like, oh, you're Princess Peach. And she's like, oh, I'm Princess Peach. And I'm, it's like, well, don't get folded into origami. And she's like, oh, no, don't worry. I'll be watching out for that King Ollie or whatever his name is. But it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a great game. And I, and I think that it's not a lot of people are worried that it's like, oh, is it going to be, you know, Sticker Star, which was the one on 3DS, which was not great. Or is it going to be more like the RPG ones? And I think th- it's kind of a little bit of both. It's not a complete rollback to, you know, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door, but it's also not Sticker Star 2. It's got depth. It's got, you know, exploration. You're finding toads that, yes, are clearly hidden in plain sight, but you're also finding toads that are hidden cleverly, that you have to kind of think about how to get them to to save them. And there's just a lot to it. Like you can beeline it through it and just experience whatever you experience, but you can also really, um, look into every nook and cranny and find those hidden, you know, toads and save them and, uh, find collectibles. And it's very Nintendo Mario. There's lots of cool references and, and the writing is fantastic. And that's where, um, you were saying like, there's no voice acting. It's all written. So I've been kind of reading it to the kids as we go when there's, I, I usually skip the flavor text, like push A to do this and push do to do that, you know, but I'll, I'll read the, 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 the bits back and forth where it's actual story being told. And man, some of that writing is just so, it's so good. It's exactly like if the last of us part two was the last big game I played, this is like the perfect palate cleanser, like just the perfect follow up of like, this is nothing but just witty and funny and just, it's just so light and fluffy. I don't know. It's great. And I could see I could see where you're coming from. Like, honestly, I had finished Final Fantasy VII one night. Then the next night I finished Community. And then I was like, oh, I got nothing, you know? And I was I, I was thinking, like, well, what should I get into here? I, you know, should I should I start something? Like, what well, what should I do? And then I had been playing Paper Mario with Gwen that day, and I was like, "Oh man, I would I really wouldn't mind playing playing a bit of Paper Mario." But you know, obviously Gwen's in bed. I'm not going to play her game without her; she would murder me. But I I was like, maybe I should start my own game. So I I totally I totally see the appeal. It is well made. It has like you know they throw the Disney magic term around. It, it's got the Nintendo uh, magic, and it's it's really like a I, during during these times where I, I'm looking at every big Nintendo release for the Switch and thinking, geez, eighty dollars like it's eighty dollars Canadian, you know, is is that is it worth it every time? Like, be it Luigi's Mansion, be it Animal Crossing, uh, be it this game, um, it's always it's always been worth it, and I've always had a really blast both in terms of enjoying the game but in terms of the experience that i'm sharing with gwen so uh yeah i got so far so good and i think based on where i'm at and how long it's taken to get there that it's going to be pretty long um like ryan you've gone in the museum i'm sure le, le yeah. musée champignon oui, oui. um and uh there's a like the warp you can find the warp um pipes there and they they're all numbered so right Mm. off the bat you can sort of see that there's like six major warp pipes so probably six worlds and i'm i'm only on the second one and have spent a long time you know we've spent a long time in the past a week or so playing the game so it's it's got some good good mileage so there you go listeners recommendation both both dungeons and diapers hosts are recommending paper mario 
so check that out. Exactly, and I'm sure most of you already are if you're if you're a Nintendo Switch fan because it's uh, it's what's we got. It's the only thing on the calendar from Nintendo uh, for the foreseeable future until Nintendo decides to give us some of that wisdom. Uh, I will I will only just make a mention that um, Isabella is going to be four months soon, uh, and it's really crazy how for me, anyways, uh, my role in terms of being home on parental leave, I, I get, I obviously pitch in with Isabel when I, when I need to like changing diapers, she's, she's doing pablum now. So we're feeding her pablum. She is growing like crazy. Uh, but really the real work <laughs> and no one should be surprised by this, which is why I'm not going to spend much time on it. The real work has been basically occupying the other kids while Ashley, uh, you know, feeds or, or sleeps for that matter. Uh, so it's been it's been a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm I can't believe it's almost already been four months, and I'm sure it'll be a year before I know it. Uh, but uh, Crofton, before we close up shop and hang up the the closed mushroom sign on the door, I don't know if that's a real thing. Uh, we've got a list. We got some listener feedback here. This is a tweet from Neil, and he says, as someone who grew up in Oshawa and just spent Canada Day at my family cottage outside of Bob Cajun. I followed your small town name drops and didn't think twice. I can attest all of these places are real, Crofton. Crofton, do you you if you don't believe me, you must believe our fine listener Neil. Oh, I I you know I even believed you originally. Oh, okay, um, although uh, you know I did take a quick look at the map while you were talking <laughs> and just to you know just to check things out. But I am I am appreciative of people like Neil setting us straight. Also because like you know there may be people listening from other countries and stuff, and and they you know they hear the Canada talk and and this is a whole Canada they don't know outside of Toronto. You know, uh, so. It's good for them to re- recognize that Canada is made up of lots of little places. Yes, and I mean from a worldwide perspective, it really is. It comes. It usually comes down to the MTV: Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. Those are the three cities that most people uh, connect with. I mean, most people think Toronto is the capital of Canada. So, holy shit! That I never, ever thought of that MTV <laughs> acronym before. Oh God, that is amazing! Yeah, MTV. Oh, I didn't come up geez. with it. <laughs> it it's it's honestly yeah. one of those things. One of those few things that I not few, but one of those things I pulled from work, which I thought I had the same reaction as you. Is like, oh my gosh, that's such a great way of boiling down the three cities that our our visitors from out of the country really know about, and it's Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. And I don't think maybe outside of the Atlantics that you're not pulling in there. But I would imagine most people coming from outside the country just picture the whole, you know, Nova Scotia and PEI as like one big place to visit as opposed to, you know, Montreal, Toronto and Vancouver. You could spend a whole vacation in those cities. So, um, man, yeah, this this predates you, Ryan, but I have Dire Straits is money for nothing playing in my head right now. But uh, anyway, you'll have to Google it later. Um, Yeah, I might have to. all right, uh, I am. I am good. Are you good, good I, sir? I think we're good. We've solved the world's problems once again. We've figured out Paper Mario is is a fantastic entry in the uh, sometimes rocky or creased, I guess I should say, franchise. Uh, paper reference so we're going to close up shop there we're going to call it a day and that is going to do it for dungeons and diapers for this week you can visit us on the web tgistudios.com slash dad you can email the show dad at tgistudios.com we could use some emails 
when we get a lot of tweets, which are great, but it requires me to like copy the link out. If I get an email, I just flag it. It's all good. So send us an email, won't you? But if you want to tweet us, you can follow us on Twitter and tweet us directly. You can find myself at rmurphy and Crofton at Crofton Steers. That is going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have yourself a great week. Stay safe, and we'll chat soon. Bye, everybody. Woo!